It's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, hey, hey. Greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. As you probably already know, another way to support the podcast is to visit our website, which is ambiguouslyblind.com. There's a link in the show notes of this episode and all, so just look down or scroll down, and you'll see a link to that. Or if you want to type it in your browser, it's ambiguouslyblind.com or amblind.com for short, which is A-M-B-L-I-N-D.com. Because I tell you, as you know too, ambiguously, that's a big word. It's a big word, and I'm mess it up most times that I uh, that I try to type it too. So please use the shorthand version, amblind.com. But at the website, you will find, of course, a catalog of all of our episodes, pictures, links, other information about the guests, more detailed information, how to connect with them, some pictures of them, and those types of things. But you will also find a way to contact me by email, or you can post comments on the website. You can also leave a review and make a rating which we greatly would appreciate as well. It's a way for us to know what's going on, let other people know. It also shows up in um, rankings and other places where we become more relevant. So we'd appreciate any ratings and reviews that you could take some time out of your busy day to to do one of those things would be tremendous. There's also a place if you uh, have a question, you can leave a voicemail and you can also recommend a guest. So if you know somebody that uh, you think we ought to talk to on the podcast, again, go to the website. There's a place for guest, recommend a guest. That would be greatly appreciated. Our guest for this episode is Matt Filipanko. Matt has been living with the rare retinal disease called Stargardt's for about 20 years. He's also a father and a husband. So I'm hoping to pick up some tricks on life uh, with uh, Stargardt's and family and, and kind of how that works for him. He also works in the technology field for Microsoft in their office organization. So I've already picked up some technical tips from him, but I'm sure there's many more to come. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Yes, thank you for the invite. It's going to be uh, super fun. Yeah, I think it will be. We've talked a little bit kind of before this discussion here about a lot of things that I felt would fit into the scope of what we talk about here. And kind of to set the table a little bit, we'll start with the uh, Stargardt's situation. You are no stranger to Stargardt's. And I think people primarily, at least the audience here, knows what that is. But kind of give me the overview, the quick Stargardt's. And then let's talk about, tell me what how Stargardt's affected you, when it started, and kind of what your family relationship with Stargardt's has been. Is with your, I think you have at least a sister. Yes. That also works with Stargardt too. So give me the give me the Stargardt's 101. So basically, uh, Stargardt's is a inherited retinal disease. It's uh, some folks call it a juvenile version of macular degeneration. So what and, does that mean? Does that mean it's like a it's like a it's like a teenage uh, macular de- degeneration? I don't even really know. I, I've just seen it called <laughs> yeah, juvenile I, version. So <laughs> I've seen that too. Is I just I would um, there, there's got to be something. Uh, online with like the Foundation Fighting Blindness. I, that's where I've read it on a bunch of their uh, material around a junior version or a juvenile version of uh, macular degeneration. But in reality, basically, it is a uh, inherited retinal disease that 
anywhere from six years old to like 26 years old is a range. Um, you are, uh, it, it does come uh, from your genes. So the gene that, uh, that I have, it's ABCA4 is the Stargardt's gene. Uh, so for anybody listening that's had genetic testing, that's the that's the one I I the luck of the draw. A B C A four. Is that what you said? Correct. Yeah, A B C A four. Okay. Yeah, there's um, in the genetic test that I got done from the Foundation Fighting Blindness, they do. There's 351 genes in the test that they do, and the A B C A four gene is the one that you get for Stargardt's. Um, there are different forms and different types, but the one I got was, uh, was that one. And, um, and basically uh, when I was diagnosed, it was, I, I started having the onset of it when I was around 19, 18, 19 years old. My, uh, we weren't married at that time. My wife and I, um, we both worked at a nursing home. Um, I was a CNA, um, and, uh, and loved it. Super fun job. If I could go back and do what I do now and get paid the same as a CNA, that's where, I, that's what I would be doing. Now, what is a CNA? Uh, certified nursing assistant. Okay. So basically, uh, what we did was we would um, uh, take care. Uh, we would do daily cares. We would um, bring uh, folks out in the nursing home. So it was like super fun job. But um, I was having problems at towards the end of it doing um, blood pressures. Like my wife would notice because we worked together all the time. I was I was totally pursuing her at work. Um, I, I, <laughs> there was like a, a wall full of pictures, and she was this like smoking blonde. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta get to know her. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I started working out, uh, doing uh, rounds and different things like that with uh, with my wife, and then started having trouble with the charts and um, and even seeing the blood pressure cuff and the the like just getting anything done in that matter of, of being able to do anything from the from a medical standpoint. Um, so I went to a doctor in, in town in, I grew up in uh, Minot, North Dakota and, um, basically went to the doctor. He had no idea what it was. He's like, it looks like some weird bullseye effect. And then he referred me to another, uh, uh clinic, um, uh, retina associates, I think is what it was in Fargo, North Dakota. And then, um, they were able to say, hey, it looks like Stargardt's, but we don't really know for sure. We're going to have to send you to the University of Minnesota. So then my wife and I uh, get in the car and we drive to Minnesota. And um, up until that point, I used to memorize the uh, eye chart because all the clinics in Minot were like old school. They like had paper charts on the wall. So I would walk in and I'd memorize every single thing on the chart. And then I'd be able to uh, sit down. They'd be like, "All right, can you read the? Can you read this chart?" And I just, I, I, like, blurt it out and uh, make it through. They're like, "Hey, wait a minute, your eyes are closed. Hold on a minute, just back up a second. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it like, so it, it worked like a champ. Um, and then uh, when I went to the University of Minnesota, they use like a mirror and like this. It almost looks like a little cannon. I don't even know what the technology is, but it like they have like multiple charts inside this this like cannon gun looking thing it aims it at the mirror bounces off the wall so it's like the full distance that you need to be in, mm -hmm. in the small room and i walk in i see the chart and i memorize it and then i sit down we get to talking and then she's like all right we're gonna run through your uh run through the eye chart to check your acuity and i'm like okay so we start and she clicks the button like four times and the chart goes and it flips through it and i'm like oh crap uh-oh uh and I wasn't close, so I, I couldn't see it anymore. So I, I totally failed. Um, and then they ran through all these other tests and 
at the end of that day, I mean, it was probably six hours or so um, with a bunch of different doctors, nurses, um, all sorts of assistants um, running through. They did this thing called a fluorescein angiogram, all these crazy tests. And everything up to that point was just medical tests to like pinpoint that it was Stargardt's, but I didn't get the actual genetic test for many years later. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the diagnosis part of it. It was around 19 years old. Um, at that point, then um, once I once it set in, um, I couldn't um, I couldn't work as a nursing assistant anymore. So I went to uh, the local college there and started studying for a, a associate's degree uh, is what I went for. But um, but yeah, entered a hold into the the uh, college experience. So did you leave this clinic? I think you said at the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. with a close to something as a diagnosis. Yes. What, what did they tell yep. you? Yeah, they. It, I left with a diagnosis of Stargardt's, um, and then I basically just lived with that for multiple years until um, I, when I, I, we fast forward, um, we have our our son and then we get married and then we have two other children and um and then basically uh move through that fast forward um and i'm already working at microsoft at that point i know we'll circle back to that process but um, i got the genetic testing done about um i would say six or seven years ago um down here in florida where i'm at now and um and basically, I went to a, a local clinic up in Gainesville, and they, uh, Christine Kay was, she's like world renowned for Stargardt's. So if there's any other Stargardians uh, that are looking for a good doctor, she's in Gainesville. And, and she was um, like, when we were talking to her, we were learning things that we have never heard. Like, people would always say like, oh, you're, uh, no one in your family will get it. And we're like, oh, whew, okay, good. We've dodge that bullet and then my sister gets diagnosed and then that kind of like shot the stuff out of the window but when we went and met dr uh k she was basically like no yeah it, it's it can be dominant in the family so it's it makes to- total sense that your sister um would have it um, so it was super eye-opening to um to kind of walk through all of that wow so a lot of things there did they give you the star guards pamphlet when you left or did they, I mean, I'm, I'm using that in air quotes. I mean, did they say yeah. you should go talk to these people? Was there like a commission for the blind or some sort of low vision clinic or some sort of something that they said, go do this? Or they just said, patch on the back and said, good luck. Uh, pretty much like patch on the back, kick you in the rear and say, next, please. And we went back to Mina and at, at that point it was kind of setting in and that's where, um, like in in our city that we lived in they basically they had a place called vocational rehab and there was a lady named carol there she's um, since passed away she was an older lady when when i was going to see her but um she was super inspiring because she was totally blind um and she worked at this vocational rehab and she would always like fact check me whenever i was sitting in her office like if i would be like slumping down whining she'd be like she she just kind of like call you out on it um so I would go there and um, throughout the whole experience of going to college, um, I was being assisted by the um, vocational rehab office and they would get me these bus tokens for this thing called uh, the Commission on Aging Bus. The funny thing about the Commission on Aging Bus is that um, when I would ride that to college, um, 
it was primarily uh, folks that were um, either um, like 75 plus, 80 plus that were like they would go to the nursing homes and pick them up and bring them to doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. Um, But they would also pick up the uh, 19 year old blind guy uh, that could totally walk and like multiple times, like one of the crazy things, like I know, like even the, the, the point of the show, ambiguously blind, like these guys that would come in the van, they'd be like, are you Matt? And then they'd look at the sheet and then I'd have to take out my ID because I like walked up to the car. They just, they were, they were expecting to see somebody not like me. Right. Um, so it was, uh, it was always a challenge of uh, getting on the bus and, and like, just, I mean, it didn't happen often, but enough, uh, at, at least a dozen times throughout my time going to school uh, where I would have to like validate that I was, I was the person that they were picking up. Did it ever occur to you prior to this 19 year old diagnosis time that something was off about your vision? No, not at all. I mean, even in high school, um, I was, I was reading textbooks and, um, doing things. And then it just, it, it was literally like a day that I was standing in the hallway, looking down the hallway at the nursing home and looking at the residents. And I'm like, man, they are hard. I can't see who that is down there. So it's a really sharp decline then or. Oh yeah. Yeah. It went from early on, it was like 2080 and then it went, um, right now it's, um, uh, 2300 and 2400. Uh, but I haven't been back to Dr. K for almost, uh, three or four years. So it's been, been a long time since I've been back up there. So I have to go back in and get it tested. It's just, it, once you get your genetic testing done and you kind of go through the rest of that process, you just, you go from that moment of like, Hey, it's, I mean, it, it's not going anywhere. So why do I have to go back and get checked? But, um, that's my next phase is that I have to eventually have to go back up there and see if it's, I, I know it's gotten worse. My wife has, uh, like everybody in my family, my, all my children, like they're all like, yeah, it's getting, cause I, I'm like, I, I'll trip over some things every now and then, or they turn the lights off too quick or, um, just seeing things even in the, in the stores and things of just being able to navigate around and find them after, like if I'm in an aisle at Walmart and I'm like totally interested in something and then they walk off, uh, going and finding them again is always a, it's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, I can relate to that. That's good times. So, and it seems like they always move quickly too. You know, it's like one second they're here, they're gone. Where did they go? Yeah. What gets really crazy, it's funny too, because my wife and kids will watch. They'll like watch me from a distance and wait for me to find them. Oh, that's like a sport almost for them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll watch and it'll, there'll be another blonde that's the same height. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk towards them and be like, okay, that's her, that's her, that's her, that's her. And then they'll turn. I'm like, whoa. That's not, that nope, is that not, I was about to hug that person too. So yep. good thing we didn't do that. Yep, absolutely. Totally beeline down the other aisle. And I'm like, okay, that's not them. So let's keep going. And, um, but now I've gotten into a habit of like where I'll, I'll give them a call on their cell phone and I'll just listen for the ringer. Yep. That's a good one too. Crafty. So what's the time frame between the partial diagnosis and meeting with Dr. K to get like the, the real story. How much time was in between those two? Oh, wow. Um, 19 to 39, 35. I mean, okay. So 10 plus years. Yeah. So like, yeah, what, did, what happens in those 10 years? I mean, what are you thinking? Like, are there correction of things? Are there things I should be doing? No. So I went, I went kind of off the deep end to, I mean, for, I mean, it's, it's not probably not good. Um, we, um, I, I was 
still drinking still, and I was still smoking. I, I quit smoking cigarettes when we, um, when, uh, we, we got pregnant with our first, um, I, my wife said, Hey, it's either the cigarettes or our baby. And I quit smoking like that day. Um, but the smoking and the drinking, like the, like that lifestyle accelerated it uh, massively. Um, I mean, that's my theory. I don't know. I haven't had it backed up by any doctors or anything. I'm sure they would, but, um, that lifestyle was definitely, uh, not, not good for it. Um, but yeah, so we, um, I get diagnosed and then, um, just moving throughout life, um, going to school. I had, um, went to college at, at a university, got my associate's degree, graduated there, finished it up while going to school. Um, and, and even after my wife and I started a, um, a video production company, uh, and it was called blind spot productions, kind of a play on words. So mm-hmm. I had blind spot productions and then we had a small business, um, it business, uh, where I would support like, financial offices, realty offices and things like that. And I would, it was called don't freak call a geek. So we did two sole proprietorships, um, on top of my, um, uh, social security, uh, cause everybody, when you get diagnosed blind and you don't know what else to do, you go get on social security. Um, so I, I, I took that path for a little while and, um, and then had my side hustles tr- trying to do anything we could to survive as a family, uh, mm-hmm. being newly diagnosed and, um, having, uh, three children. Um, I mean, there's there just multiple things, um, uh, coming together that, uh, really made my wife and I turn into like, uh, just hustlers. We had to, I mean, whatever it took, we, we had to succeed. Um, so navigated through that. And then fast forward, I, I'm, I'm still doing, uh, it and video production, wedding videos and TV commercials, all sorts of stuff. Um, and the whole time, none of my clients, I was doing it so well that none of the, the fact that none of my clients even asked, um, it was amazing. Um, so we did a, a ton of different wedding films, had actually had a bunch of really good stuff. If you look on Vimeo, um, under Filipenko films, we rebranded blind spot, uh, blind spot and Filipenko films was a, another sole proprietor that we did, but, um, they're both on, on, uh, on Vimeo and have a ton of films behind them. But, um, we did that in TV commercials and, and navigated through a bunch of stuff. Um, after that though, I interviewed um, my, my passion. I, I knew a bunch of people that in Fargo, North Dakota, where we lived, there was a bunch of people that worked at Microsoft that I knew. And that was always a passion is to get into that company. So, um, I interviewed there multiple times you know, over three years, um, seven different interviews, three interviews for each position. So basically over the span of three years, I met 21 different people, uh, for interviews. And, um, my first interview, I was super arrogant when I went in, I basically, they said, what do you know about Excel? And I said, everything. And she goes, Oh, it's kind of sits back and shrugs in the seat. And I'm like, Oh boy, that ain't good. And she, <laughs> she totally just took me to the cleaners, um, asking me all sorts of macro VBA, like all everything that I didn't know. And I was like, well, I don't really know at all. Like, and, and then I just blatantly just came out of the interview and I said, I, I bombed that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm like, okay, I'll be back next time. And so, uh, basically 20 different interviews later, I'm sitting in, um, in the one for the role that I actually got. And, um, that was in 
2013 is when I got hired. Um, so it was, uh, I still remember the day I was sitting at my house and I get a call. I, I'm doing the interviews and I get a call from the, um, from the recruiting agency and they're like, Hey, they'd like to offer you the position. Do you need some time to think about it? And going from being self-employed with like multiple little hustle side businesses to like a really good, decent starting salary plus medical benefits. Um, I was like, I I'm in like, I'll start tomorrow. Um, so fast forward from that, I start and, um, and, and get in at Microsoft and, and, um, and, I worked for quite a few years after that to uh, to basically work through the the process of um, just kind of easing into the role, learning the role and stuff like that. So it was pretty fun. Okay. So you've been talking for a while about your kind of Stargard's journey and you referred to yourself as a Star Guardian. I like that. That's nice. Yeah. Hey, there's a guy named uh, Sam Seavey. He has the blind life. Um, he calls himself a Star Guardian. Uh, my sister's a Star Guardian. We're, I think we're going to... we. We get. We should start like uh, t-shirts or something. Yeah. Well, Sam, I've I've had Sam on the podcast. I, I'm aware of him and the work he does on YouTube. He's great. And uh, oh he's, yeah, he's yeah. already got some merch and stuff going on, so that should be easy to add to the collection. Absolutely. You've mentioned your wife a few times, and it sounds yeah. like she was kind of there at the beginning, and stuck with you through that process. There might have been some twists and turns, I'm sure, and some ups and downs, but that's um, pretty amazing in and of itself. That's pretty good support system there. Absolutely. It, I mean, un, unbelievable. Cause I mean, it beyond, um, just being there day to day. I mean, I, when we met, I didn't have a car and then long, like even throughout the rest of it, I mean, uh, driving me to work at the nursing home, driving me down to the hospital appointments, um, just that whole journey of, uh, the diagnosis and kind of working through it, walking through it, having her, uh, be, at my side the whole time was a huge, huge plus. Um, and, and even as we started to have children and, and kind of move through that, that, that season of life, um, even now they're, now they're kind of reciprocating the same thing that she was doing. They're, they're jumping in, they're reading stuff, they're helping when there's subtitles on TV, one, either she or one of the kids will read them out. If, um, if I don't have like some assistive tech on to read them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's incredible to um, to have the support system and uh, just somebody in your corner. I I, I meet a lot of people um, at conferences and on phone calls and stuff that are um, that don't have anybody with them, and I I couldn't imagine uh, walking through this without that support system. Yeah, because your 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 timeline there, at least in the in the time of life at around age nineteen, for me, I have a uh, medical incident. I got bacterial meningitis when I was nineteen. And for me, it was a, it was like the light switch just got turned off on my, my vision. So I'm totally blind in my right eye. I have 2300 vision in my left eye, really hard to explain, which is why it's called ambiguously blind. You've already alluded to kind of the difficulty in, in explaining to other people about vision and the spectrum and things you can and can't see because it doesn't always make sense to them. Um, but when that happened to me, I'm on a college campus at the time and there is there was all these support things that I was totally oblivious to prior, right? Like there was the, in Texas where I am, it's called the Texas Commission for the Blind. It's been renamed since, but it's this, the same organization that, that helps support folks with low vision or, or no vision. And there were lots of things where I could 
kind of pivot and plug into to get to where I was, you know, trying to get and, and dealing with the coping with the, the, the change in lifestyle kind of in an overnight fashion. So did other than your wife, did, were there support things in, and this is in Fargo, I guess. Right. So is there that type of stuff where you could plug in? Yeah. So, um, other than, other than my wife at that time, um, the kids were still kind of too small to help out. I had my, um, my mom jumped in from and, and, and helped out other than that, the, um, vocational rehab, which I brought up earlier, they, they sent me to a school in Grand Forks called the school for the blind. And they taught you like tips and tricks on how to do things. That's where I got interested or it, in, uh, introduced, not interested, but introduced to a, uh, Back in the day, there these CCTVs, and there it's like a tube TV. So like, oh yeah, a giant. I'm, I'm aware. Oh yeah. Oh man, that thing was like a beast. It Takes was, up your whole desk. I, yeah, it was a gigantic, um, a gigantic CCTV. It was a Clearview CCTV. I mean, back then it was the Cadillac. I mean, I think I had Clearview. I, yeah. I was impressed. I sat down at this thing at the School for the Blind, and I was just consuming anything. I could get my hands on because I was like, I, I've never been able to like read it by myself. Back then I wasn't as smart of like taking a picture with my cell phone of every single page in a book, but it was super cool. And, um, basically what I was doing is using it at the school for the blind. I, I get done there. I, I take the bus back home from the school for the blind, get back into, uh, Minot. And then I go up to the, uh, vocational rehab office to see Carol and, the school for the blind actually um, had it shipped to Minot and they gave it to me because they, they saw how excited I was mm -hmm. over it. Yeah. And those things so, are expensive too. Oh yeah. Back then too. I mean, it was like for them to just give it to me. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. So I, I had that um, used that while I was going to school. And then even in addition um, at, at school, when I, when they printed out my papers, I would go over to a, um, like a, a facility area that they helped people uh, with all sorts of uh, needs. But basically I would go in there and Miss um, Klimple, um, I went to school with her son, Jesse. Um, he or his mom basically ran that area and um, they would print out my, my tests for college on 11 by 14 pieces of paper. So it would make it big enough to where I would, I could like lean my head forward and kind mm -hmm. of see it. Yeah. So I, I would do all of my tests on 11 by 14 pieces of paper. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was neat how to see all the accommodations happen uh, back when, I, I mean, I'm sure assistive technology existed back then, but I didn't know about it. Now, what year would this have been? That was 2000. I graduated in um, three, four. So it'd be like 2003, 2004. Yeah, assistive technology existed, but it is not anything like it is today. I mean, it's you know it's grown in gigantic leaps. But uh, and that and that's a whole that's a rabbit hole that I think we're going to climb into on a. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to get into all that because I think we have some pretty good stories of all kinds of assistive technology and software and hardware and things that have uh, <laughs> we've used the CCTV. I have forgotten about that. I mean, that thing was. Again, it's gigantic. I mean, they're very, they're very important. They, they played a good role, a pivotal role in, in me being able to read things text on a, on paper, but you know, it literally would take up the whole desk, you know, and, and at oh, mine yeah. anyway, I'm pretty sure Clearview, that sounds, sounds right. I think I had two of them. I mean, not at the same time, but I went from one to another 
over the course of several years. And like this kind of deal where you would have the device and you put a monitor on top of it or was the monitor included in the whole thing? Yours. Mine was included. Like it was like a, it was like a tube TV on a big arm that like didn't fall off and was like, I don't know how it was mounted. It like that thing, like it went multiple moves. We moved so another crazy story. We've moved 29 times together, my wife and I. So lots of moving. Um, 29 and, times. Oh, yeah. Yep. All over Minot, all over Fargo, um, from Fargo to Dallas, and then all over the city of Dallas. We went from Louisville to the colony, from the colony to uh, Florida, and then back to Frisco. And I mean, it just like, up and down all over the place. 29 so, um, times? Yes. Yep. 29 times. Are you trying to go for a record or something? Was there uh, something in mind there? I don't know. I just, I, (laughs) I, I, we should have just changed our, like the Filipenko nomads or something. We should have called ourselves nomads. You could have gone on YouTube with it, I guess. Right. And maybe, maybe that would have been the deal. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy, but that, that CCTV made it through every single one of the movies. Yeah. That is durability right there. Yeah, even to the last day, I when we were moving back to Florida, that when we li- we lived in Frisco, Texas. That's a, I hear that's a great place. Yes, it's amazing. So, um, we moved back from Frisco to uh, Lando Lakes, where we're at now, and basically, it was in my garage on the top of the shelf because by then I've already have this. I already have a newer, cooler assistive tech, and um, that one was just in the garage, kind of like a like just like chilling up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And one of my neighbors that lived down the street was had very uh, like just growing older getting older like early onset macular degeneration like just kind of battling through that so i cleaned it up plugged it all in and it worked and i was like hey would you guys want this thing and they 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 took it with absolute gratitude um and i was like just blown away because i was like whoa this is like really old technology but it it's still i was able to pass it on um and let them have it so it worked out pretty cool so there's been a lot of things. I mean, I mean a lot. 29 moves. Um, you're doing most of this with, what'd you say, like 2300 vision? Is that about? Yep. 2300, right? 2400. Yeah. Um, and 29 moves. And I mean, you want to talk about adaptation. That might as well be your middle name, I would I, I'd guess by this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you just basically got to lean in and, and learn to it. I, a motto that I give to people all the time is you can either roll over or rise up. Um, it, it happens a lot. When I was at the school for the blind, I would meet some people there. And when the educator was in the room, um, they were, they were needing help. Like, like, but when the educator wasn't in the room, they, they could do some things on their own. And I would always challenge them when the educator walked out, I'd be like, Hey, do the same thing you're doing. Like we, we can't let that mindset creep in because if we turn into a victim mindset, we're never going to get out. So you have to approach this thing that we can beat it, that we can like mentally, maybe not physically, you're never going to be, be regain it unless there's like a miraculous cure, cure or, or clinical trial or something cool comes down the road. Um, but you got to just, you either got to roll over or rise up from it. And, um, and that's basically what we've been doing uh, for all those 29 moves and moving to different locations, different cities. Um, my family's been incredible on each one of them. Uh, my my two oldest kids drive. My wife has driven our whole life. Um, so it's been uh, been super fun. 
there's a lot to be said about the the single driving mom in the household. I mean, mom, you know, I can I can relate to that myself. So, mom really is pretty incredible when it comes to lots of things. But when we when we ask for those types of things in addition, um, that just goes to show you how how incredible they are. Yeah, the the devotion and dedication to um to not just our needs because I mean when you really look at it like we we're not I mean we're so like I'm self sufficient you're self sufficient like we can do things but we can't do everything so mm-hmm. it's like it's another thing that they have to like they just can't like just check out from it and say okay it like the like they take care of our children and we take care of our children like as a family together we're all kind of hustling in the same direction but like I can't just go oh um they have a doctor's appointment let's bring them and get in the car and drive it's she has to bring them to the doctor's appointment she has to go to the school like she like there's there's uh there's not much um not much leeway uh, mm-hmm. they, they don't let people legally blind drive the roads no, down here in florida for good reason i don't think they do yeah most places <laughs> anyway <laughs> so that's, uh that's good i have i have driven i so i stopped driving when i was 19 uh i did drive for like around you know three years or so so i do yeah, understand I drove- that in, in independence Yep, I drove as well. Um, actually, funny story. Uh, you brought up like um, I, I had a moped. Um, I basically i I drove and then I didn't drive. And then when I didn't drive, I was like, I, I felt like I was losing my independence. So I went and bought a moped. Um, la- like literally, like last year, um, I went and bought a moped. Um, and it was a sweet Honda Ruckus, went about 40 miles an hour. My uh, buddy Rob said, uh, you can't ride in that $30 Amazon helmet. So he, he bought me a helmet for uh, Christmas last year, a, um, a really nice showy helmet, one of those like motorcycle helmets. So I had that and I drove back and forth to the gym. I didn't drive it all over as like a daily driver. I just drove to the gym in the morning and then drove back home. But um, went to a Visions conference in Orlando with the Foundation Fighting Blindness met a ton of people that have star guards like 25 30 people plus i mean it was um, um, incredible to get around all those people um and at that moment that's where i kind of it dawned it dawned on me that i it's it's too risky to be driving a moped like i i mean i i can't read text i can't i can't see car license plates i can't see cars that are a block away um, unless i like pivot and move my eyes around to where i can see them with my peripheral um so it was just it was too risky um, so I, I got rid of that, um, about three or four weeks after that conference, that conference was in June. So I, I literally, I just sold it in, uh, in July timeframe, um, sold it. And, um, and now I'm, uh, kind of navigating, working through that. I, I, I needed to ask for a lot of forgiveness at home because I was not the happiest camper losing my last piece of independence. Um, it was a major struggle of like just that meant. But from the mentality, from the mental side of it, just getting through it. I bet. Did you have any close encounters when you were using it? Oh yeah, all the time. I didn't tell anybody though. But now I, I guess now I did. So <laughs> <laughs> since it's on air, but um, but yeah, no. It. I would. I, I remember one time I had to go get the oil changed by the company that I bought it from, and it was a road. Like I would map out the road. Like I'm. I have really good memory. So if I'm riding and I hit a pothole, I know where the pothole is for next time. Like I don't. I don't go on that side. So, but I had to go get the oil changed. So I had to drive from my house all the way down, like 11 miles, uh, 12 miles on this moped. And this and, is on a city street, I presume then, like a real yeah, street. Like, yeah. And the city street that I was on was three lanes. 
mm, uh, yeah. each side. So it's moving. And cars are flying around me honking and being legally blind, riding a scooter. I don't know if they're flipping me off or waving at me, so I just wave back. Uh, I'm sure they're waving, yeah. I'm sure yeah, they're waving. Yep. yep. So uh, just ripping down the school or ripping down the, uh, the, the, the street, and you'd hit, like, potholes and stuff. Um, so those are definitely the close, uh, close calls that uh, would happen. But you'd, you'd learn where the uh, bumps in the road were, and then you would steer around them next time. Yeah, I guess so. And it was, the, it was meeting other star guardians, to, to use your, your, your Sam's word there, that yeah. brought you to the realization? Or what, what was kind of the process for you saying, okay, enough's enough? I've... Um, well, it was my wife would my wife didn't like it at all that i had it like it was she just felt it was too dangerous um but it was like my last ditch independence so like i went against her will to 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 buy it to ride it to be like i she basically was on nerves every single time i got on it she'd like we have this thing called life 360 so our family can kind of keep like just knowing everybody's safe and things like that so um, she'd watch me on life 360 and when i made it to the gym then she could like be rested like just be feel feel at ease um but um the beyond the conference beyond her kind of not not wanting it because it was dangerous and the conference meeting people i talked to my sister and i talked to some insurance agents because i I grabbed a really healthy insurance policy um, at the same time and then i found out that um the insurance companies like they wouldn't pay out it would be terrible if it happened but if i if i hit a car and i i killed myself or got desperately hurt I just, I started thinking and I'm like, man, if, if they wouldn't pay out, then I couldn't leave my family with anything. And if I got hurt enough to where right now my family has to take care of me just with my eyes, like if I hit this thing and I end up in even in a worse spot yeah. with my eyes plus more, now I'm making even more like it, it just like the burden uh, becomes even bigger. So it was just it, all of those things just like we're an avalanche of like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta get away from this thing. So, um, sold it. And now I mean, in in a good spot. I mean, it's, you gotta, you gotta roll with it. You gotta roll with the punches. There's benefits, um, to everything, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's incredible to have a a supportive family with the the kids, my two oldest kids and my wife now driving and reading and doing things at home. Uh, Um, we, we, we're a team and we get stuff done. Yeah. So is it kind of, I don't know what the word is, um, surreal or kind of weird asking your kid to take you somewhere like, Hey, oh, I, need, yeah. I need to, I mean, so, I mean, essentially you've created your own helpers, right. With, with your children, oh, yeah. right. As, yeah. as, maybe that's why you did it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> in, in hindsight, along, if, if I look way back, yeah, it's, they basically, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have uh, booster board meetings for my son's football they'll drive me to that. Um, mm-hmm. they'll be like, they'll drive me to the girl. Gro- if they, we have to go get groceries, like I'll go to the grocery store with them. They'll drive me. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, definitely fun when I, I do uh, rollerblade and I ride bike as well. Um, I'll ride bike behind my wife. I'll rollerblade behind my, my wife. I haven't rollerbladed for a little while though. My last time rollerblading, I, I smoked a bunch of mud, um, and wiped out. So mm. I, I haven't put them back on since that day. Well, I, I ride a bicycle myself. And, um, I can understand what you mean when you talk about, you know, your last piece of independence where, where I am in suburban, um, Dallas, the, there, there are places where I can ride around and and with relative ease, not a lot of traffic. And there are some places I can go, you know, there's a few coffee shops and a couple places around where I can do those on my own. And, and I, 
it's it's really bizarre though because I think you can relate to this too where like I don't know everybody on my street or really in my neighborhood right so when I'm I'm riding the bike and I I will ride right by people and I might know them I might not know them I'm like well man he's rude why, why didn't he say hi to me or or after I like I'll meet them and they're like aren't you the guy that rides the bike all over the place I'm like yeah that's me you know I'm like wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You say you're blind. So that's all the ambiguity stuff, which, you know, just again, part of the reason I'm doing the podcast is just to kind of at least express myself and explain a lot of things about what I do and how I do it and why I do it. So people, I mean, I am crazy, but I just kind of want people to know why I'm crazy as opposed to guessing, you know, or making their own um, guesses as, as to why I'm so crazy. Yeah, I, I can relate to that 100%. I'm same way with riding bike. Um, even seeing people, my wife would be like, Matt, there's someone coming around the corner, move. And I'd, I'll swing over to the right side. Yep. Um, and then, um, as I'm, even when we're at the stores and stuff like that, should we, she'll, she'll be walking next to me. She's like, you know, this person. And I'm like, where front left, like 12 o'clock or yeah. 10 o'clock. Like she'll give me a, a time frame, and then I'll, I'll look and I'll walk up close. I'm like, Hey man, how's it going? And I'll talk to him and you like, they, they have no, they have no sniff that I had no idea who they were. <laughs> right. And, and it sounds like you may not know either. You may, you know, um, do you, you, you know, the, um, two blind brothers, right? Yes. Yep. So right. I think it yep. was, I think it was, I don't remember which one it was, if it was Brad or Brian, but recently they posted something on Instagram where <laughs> he was basically saying, I go up to people as though I've known them for my entire life. Right. That's he's brilliant. like, he's like, I don't, I don't say nice to meet you anymore because there's, there's a chance that I've met this person before and they might be offended by that. And then I, I tell them, Oh, I don't see very well. So then they get upset or they get, they feel bad because they're, Oh, I didn't mean to offend you, you know, and then blah, blah. And so he's like, he just walks up to everybody. He's like, Hey, how's it going? Great to see you. You know, <laughs> which, which must make for some interesting, um, interactions for people that they don't know right oh yeah so yeah, i can relate like, to that this too guy's, this guy's really friendly this Why guy is so nice? super friendly what is wrong with this guy right so i can relate to that because i you know there, there's i could my parents could be standing a couple feet from me and i wouldn't know it's my parents right same same is true with my kids i have kids and it's like i got to be real careful like we'll be at school and uh-huh. my kids are pretty small and like there might be five kids around me and one of them's mine and I have to, I don't want to, you know, I get thrown in jail for grabbing the wrong kid. Right. Or I, I like, Hey, come here. And you know, I got to be super sure that the kid I'm high fiving or I'm going to hug or I'm going to grab their arm to leave is, is, is my kid. Right. So yeah, absolutely. you gotta, yeah. there's lots of instances where kind of wild and wacky things can happen. Yeah. I remember a story, um, you being in Dallas, um, you probably have been over to the stockyards before. Yeah, over in Fort Worth, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we were at, when we lived up there, we went to the stockyards and I love bubblegum ice cream. So we're walking, my wife and family and and we're all kind of cruising around the stockyards and they have bubblegum ice cream there. And um I mean, I'm a I'm like a fanatic. Like if if there's a bucket of bubblegum ice cream, if anybody's listening and you have it, email me and I will buy the whole bucket. Um wow. I I absolutely 
love it. I all over Florida, I'll try to find it, and people aren't people don't have it anymore. I, I, I have no idea why. But so a supply chain uh, issue, or what happened? What's what's I, the deal? Somebody told me they got rid of it because they were scared they were going to get sued because the bubble gum gets frozen and people can break their teeth or chip their teeth. But I mean, I I didn't really buy that one from him, so I just I I think I don't know what it is. They just they they're not making it or something. So um, so I'm, we're we're at the stockyards though, and I'm walking and. I mean, I see this pink waffle cone in this little girl's hands and it's a bubblegum ice cream cone. And I get like, I'm a super extrovert. If you've ever, if you ever meet me in person, like I'm super like talkative. I get right. I mean, I talk to everybody. If I'm not standing behind you at Walmart, I'm talking to you. Um, so I walk up and this, I didn't see this, this little girl's family. Um, be like, I, all I saw was the bubblegum ice cream cone. I'm like, Whoa, is that a bubblegum ice cream cone? And like I, I lean forward to look at it to make sure it's bubblegum ice cream cone. And um, her dad like pulls back, like flexing, like ready to just like knock you out or me. something. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife steps forward and goes, wait, 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 wait. He can't really see. <laughs> so that's why he's asking. <laughs> and it was hilarious. The whole thing unfolded. But it was all about a bubblegum ice cream cone. It was super crazy. Now, did did they understand what happened or did you just move on from there? Oh no, my my wife uh, corrected it. Okay, I, yeah, see, once again, really wife see. swoops yeah. in and and mom takes care of everything, right? Yes, saves me from the knockout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, okay, so we've kind of touched around it a little bit. You you the Microsoft twenty interview twenty one interview process. It sounds like the first time you go in and they they you say you know everything about Excel your vision or that type of stuff probably didn't come up in the conversation. So how did did you move? What what was the process for, how did you ease into that? Or did you just come right out with it at some point or how did that work? Actually I started and um, until about four years ago. So what is it? 22, like 2017, I would say. So about four or five years after I started is when I actually told people. Um, I worked as a vendor for Microsoft as well in there in that stint when I had my own businesses. I worked as, for this company called Volt VMC, and um, I, I used a CCTV monitor or a, a CRT monitor. Remember those big square ones? I do. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I had that, and I had my keyboard set on a keyboard tray, and then I'd pull the monitor up because back then um, with Windows XP, they didn't necessarily have a um, I, at least I didn't know at that time, they didn't have any sort of magnifier inside Windows. That didn't really come into Windows 7, but um, I would have the monitor really close to my face, and that's how I worked. Um, and then when I got my job at, at Microsoft um, in 2013, I worked my job. I worked in the Premier Support Organization, so most of my calls, I never met people. Like they, I, I worked in a queue the, the, the case would come in. I'd be able to double click on it. I'd be able to like zoom in on the screen and read the notes and like get my bearings before I called the person. And then I would set up a screen chair when I called them and I would remote in and I would zoom in on my screen and they would never know that mm, I yeah. was zooming in. Like they, they had no idea that Matt was legally blind. So um, they, they just, they kind of went and rolled with it. So I worked like that for quite a while, and then I transitioned out of the support organization into a role called Premier Field Engineer, where you traveled around. And that's where things got interesting, because 
Then I had to go on site and do workshops and go on site and work with customers on their machines. And that's where I, I basically, like there was no getting around it. I had to turn on assistive tech on their machines. I had to like, I had to make it adapted to me so I could help them fix their own stuff. And um, I, I remember I was at a, um, at a customer site and some of the assistive stuff we'll touch on later on, but I, my mouse quit working. And at that time I used my mouse to, to start a lot of my assistive technology and I couldn't finish the job. I couldn't finish the workshop. So I just told the customer, I said, Hey, I, I can't do, I can't finish this. We'll finish everything tomorrow. Um, and I could feel that they were just kind of irritated at that point. Like, man, what the heck is this guy doing? Why is he quitting? Like, why is he, why does he want to call it at like one o'clock? We just got done with lunch and like he, they were super irritated. Um, and I left and then I went to the, um, Went to Wal- I, I got an Uber, went to Walmart, bought another mouse, bought batteries. Actually, I bought two mice to make sure that if that one died, I had a backup. Um, and then um, I called my manager later on that day and told him about the experience. My manager uh, lives in Texas as well. Um, his name's Palance, and he um, he stops me talking right? when I'm in a hotel room telling him about this story. And he goes, Matt, I'm gonna, if, if they treat you like that tomorrow, just leave. He goes, we don't need any customer like that. And literally, like, that moment gave me so much power of him, like, going, hey, he, like, him having my back to where, like, it, if I sense that hostility from the customer of, like, me having to pivot because of my disability. Um, and the, I mean, maybe if I came out and I told them, or I, I mean, I, a bunch of things could have been different, but it was just super cool how he, he stood in the gap at that time and said, hey, if, if, if they do that again, just leave. We don't need them as a customer. And from that moment forward, that kind of opened my eyes up to, and my mind up to being a voice uh, of being able to say, Hey, there's, there's cool things you can do in your life. Like you can, there's a bunch of assistive technology. There's, there's things out there. And then um, in about 2017 is where I really started uh, leaning in and doing uh, trainings internally. I started uh, doing uh, different trainings on my own team, uh, just all sorts of stuff inside Microsoft, and um, and really started leaning into the mindset of, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with my disability first when I get on a call to set the bar, and then I'm gonna do my work, and and I've, I've done that ever since. Um, so it's been been a super cool uh, game changer for me, uh, being able to uh, tell folks, but. Um, but yeah, I get asked that question all the time. Is like, when do I tell my employer? And I mean, and I we even helped a guy a few weeks back uh, doing an interview for uh, Oracle. He ended up getting the job, but he didn't say anything in the interview process. But we helped him create his PowerPoint, get everything ready, get it get it rocking and rolling. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a weird kind of scenario, like a, a weird area that we we all have to kind of navigate through, which. I, I, I wish we didn't. I wish we could just come into an interview and not have that be a determining factor. Yeah, I think kind of what you said, uh, where you lead with the the vision or, or disability. It seems like uh, I've been in lots of situations where, where it, gosh, this would have been so much easier if I could have started by saying, "Here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is why I, I have to do these things, or this is why I can't see, or this is why I'm not reacting to your visual cues." Uh, yeah. Like, I mean there's just so many social things, so many work things there where if you lead with that, for me, from my perspective, things are so much easier. 
Now, oh yeah, the, the it, trouble it there. That well, the trouble is, is that you may be dealing with somebody that doesn't like that, right? Kind of like your your boss was saying at, at Microsoft, we don't we don't need those kind of people. But like you know, in social situations where you're a friend or a new acquaintance, or you know, if it's a girl you're trying to pursue or some sort of relationship or something, there's a that can be a double edged sword, right? Because that that can hurt as much as it maybe helps you. So sometimes there's a fine line to walk there, but I have found that more times than not, it's better to lead with that as opposed to trying to like explain your way out of something as opposed to explaining your way into something kind of thing. Right. It it just seems like it's easier to to do it as you're going in as opposed to backing up later and doing it on the way out. There's a guy, uh, Chad, do you know Chad Foster? Have you ever seen him on the oh, yeah. circuit? Oh yeah. No, yeah. Chad's been on my podcast twice. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm a buddy. Okay. We're buddies. He's a good yeah, guy. So Chad, I ran into Chad at the foundation fighting blindness conference and we were talking about this very thing. And he goes, you know what I do when I would do interviews? Cause he's an executive. So it was hard to like, when you're interviewing and you're at the executive level, like it's like, it's hard walking in there with a service animal and your sunglasses on being totally blind, like just that whole it, it changes the room um so he said mo like tons of times he would have to go into these meetings and like uh like spend the first 15 20 minutes setting the room for the expectation like just hey here it is here's my dog here's it blah, blah. Mm-hmm. like just walking through this whole thing and he said what he started doing was he recorded a video and he would send the video ahead of the interview and they'd watch the video and then he'd come in yeah that's a good and idea. It was Makes sense. brilliant. It was like, man, that is such a smart idea to like, to set it up, to, to basically say, here's, here's what it looks like. And, um, Sam had been on your show before he's, he's got a video for star guards that is like perfect nail on the head, the exact experience that I go through. Um, so I've sent that to thousands of people. I mean, I, I mean, I, I share it almost all the time. Um, every, I have it saved as a favorite and, and, uh, anytime someone's like, what is it like? I'm boom, uh, control V paste and yeah. send it. Yeah. Well, those are both great guys. Uh, Chad and Sam, they've both been on the podcast and I'm pretty close to Chad. He's got a great book, uh, blind ambition. Um, I would recommend that to anybody as well. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible conference. I mean, I met, um, I met Chad, I met Sam. I knew Sam before, but I'd never met him in person. Um, and I met Chad and then I met Brad, uh, from two blind brothers. Um, he came up and we were chatting too. So like, it was, it was so fun just to meet all of these people that have, that are in the VIP community, the visually impaired uh, persons, like just, they're all in that wheelhouse and they're, they're just like, they got the bull by the horns and they're dragging the bull. Like, uh, it was just super inspiring to be there. Like I left that thing so fired up, ready to just like just tackle, tackle the world. Everything. Yeah, man, that's yeah. right. And yeah. it sounds like you're you got the bull by the horns, at least in in some things that you've made some modifications for and some changes you've made, and that's what it's all about. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You just you gotta you can't let it get the best of you. Um, I mean, you you gotta. You, I mean, there, yes, there's some down days. There's some bad days. Well, sure, but, but everybody has those, and and yeah. I'm not I'm not diminishing those at all because those are those are real and they happen. But I think you said it best. You gotta is it's roll over or rise up, right? Yes, 100%. I love that. You need to trademark that too. <laughs> I should. We we could go on forever and ever and ever, but um, you know the the day is the day is short. So what I'd like to do 
uh, Matt, if you would so in, uh, oblige me here, is I, I want to really get kind of deep into technology and assistive technology specifically, and then even more specific, uh, Microsoft and Windows and all those types of things. I feel like we've used a lot of similar products. We have a lot of interesting stories about using those and things we've either ditched or thought, I can't get enough of this. This Everybody should have one of these kind of things. So maybe pretty soon we can come back and, and do another one of these and, and kind of get real deep on on technology because I feel like you're a pretty good guy for that kind of that kind of chat. Yeah, count me in. I, I mean, I... I tell, I mean, it, there's not a moment that I'll pass up sharing assistive technology with people, especially our stuff from Microsoft. Because if, if you have Windows and you have Office, you have assistive technology in front of you that doesn't cost anything. Yes, there are cooler and bigger and like crazy uh, assistive technology out there from specific needs and different things. But you can do a lot just with uh, what you have in Windows and what you have in Office. And I'm hoping maybe you could teach me something because I'm a Zoom text user. Uh, I'm also a Mac user, so I'm, I'm on both sides of the of that aisle there with VoiceOver and Zoom on a Mac, and then the little bit of Windows accessibility. But I use Zoom Text for like the last I don't know 25 years, so I feel like there's some things I'm missing, and some things that you could probably teach me and, and point me in the right direction, and maybe some things I don't even know. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that too. So let's try that on Matt. 2.0. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.